Hi everyone and welcome to the Power Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's uh, really great to be with you all today. Um, today, uh, I'm I'm really honoured uh, to have a returning guest to the show um, and a new guest. Um, so, welcome to the show, Suzanne and Declan DeWitt Hall. Well, thank you for having us. It's really nice to speak to you. This is Suzanne. We'll try to hopefully... Um there's enough differentiation in our voices you should be able to tell so this is Suzanne and I'm Declan we're glad to be here and you're married by the um in case anyone's unclear on that as well um how long have you been how long have you been married we got married in 2014 so this is going to be year seven coming up that's a good year (laughs) it's a good number we've been together for about 12 that's fantastic. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, love that. Um, and Suzanne was on the podcast before talking about her book uh, and a bit of her story. Um, so, yeah, just tell us a bit. And 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 and, um, and Declan, you've just um, you've just gone public about your um, about your gender identity um, and uh, yeah. uh, becoming Declan. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk a bit about that today as well. Um, so just tell us a bit about kind of your journey, I guess, as a couple, and then kind of Declan's story as well. Um, yeah, just, just yeah, take it away. Sure. Well, we met in a conservative church. Um, both of us were married to men. Um, I identify as, a, you know, as cis um, gender, and at that time, Declan, you'll, you can speak to this, but um, Declan was presenting as female, um, the gender they were assigned at birth. And we fell in love. <laughs> um, we had to leave that conservative church and kind of forge our way through what faith meant and, and uh, what God must think and kind of evaluate all of that, which led to the writing of um, my first devotional, Where True Love Is, and the start of the Where True Love Is movement. Um, which you can find on Facebook and Twitter. Um, And then those books developed, um, you know, there's, are there seven now? How many are there? There are seven. Seven now. Um, The second one was for trans people. It's called Transfigure, trans um, and gender people. And then I wrote a number of other books as we continued to become engaged with with the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, and see kind of what the needs were and navigate our own um, uh, understandings of sexuality and gender. And the last time we talked, we were talking about my book, Sex with God. Um, And then, you know, throughout the course of that, Declan has been kind of on this journey of uncovering and discovering. You you should speak to this rather than me trying to describe. (laughs) An interesting thing that, that has happened as we've gotten together is, that we have really entered into the advocacy world and we speak at colleges and churches and we have a very active presence online and in many groups, we've started many groups for support. But as we've done that, we have found needs in different areas of the LGBTQI community. And each one is kind of like Suzanne's books have kind of evolved with us. I'm not sure if she knew it, but when she wrote Transfigured, it kind of saved me. It made me be able to feel like God loves me even though I wasn't ready to tell everyone that I was a transgender man, I was starting to speak of myself as being non-binary, but I, I, I knew from the age 
of three, three, maybe four or five when I was really little, that things just didn't line up and I wasn't happy. And, and the body I was uh, given or assigned, <laughs> my inside didn't match my outside and in and, and my identity or, or anything. I felt very uncomfortable. So when she wrote that book, it was like, okay, I started to feel better about who I was and if I could be accepted and loved by God and other people. And Suzanne has always accepted and loved me, but it's the outside world that kind of scares all of us. If you have somebody close, then you can evolve into or blossom into who you are. And Suzanne has helped me do that because from the time I was little, I knew things aren't, don't line up. I'm not comfortable in this body. This isn't what I want to do. These aren't the things I want to wear. This, these aren't the games I want to play. This isn't how I want to present, but I did it. And I didn't know there was a name for it until I got older. I mean, I'm almost 60 now and it's just been about six months since I started transitioning and, um, speaking my truth into the world about who I am. So we're you still know, on a was, journey. It was interesting looking back. It always is interesting looking back on things, but I, you always said transfigured was your favorite book as, as these books have unfolded over the years. Um, and I always thought it was funny before I just thought it was odd that that one would be the one that would speak to you so much. I mean, I knew that some aspects because there's a bit of mystical kind of um, presence in all my books. And I know that that resonates with you a lot, but um, you know, looking back it now it makes complete sense because when I was writing it, um, I didn't, we, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know outright that you were trans. I knew that you didn't fit the typical female mold for sure, but um, whatever that is, you know, we've, we've created <laughs> these molds, um, that should be smashed. Um, so anyway, looking back, it's, it's, it's inter interesting to, to recognize that it had resonated with you so much. And I didn't even realize why at the time. And it's interesting together. We have kind of, um, supported LGBTQIA Christians and, and those that, that aren't even Christians, they're, they have a different faith, but they're concerned that their families or their religions won't accept them. And we've really supported them. And one of the main reasons is because we had a major struggle. We were asked not to come back to church when there was a rumor that we were a couple. Um, we've been through a couple of breakups of churches. We've attended the Methodist conference and spoke there and sold books. So, you know, we've been really immersed in, in that community. And I think that's what this next book is coming out of. I mean, it seems like what affects us, we're seeing it affect other people. And Suzanne and I are in this walk of transitioning right now. So her next book will be um, addressing a lot of that. Yes, about kind of um, partnering through transition. Uh, so that's that's the one I'm working on now. Mm, that's so important. Books like that are so, so important. Because there's so many people going through that experience right now and um and certainly coming out of a kind of a church context who will be you know who wanting to either wanting to transition or thinking about transitioning or in the midst of it um and some of them will be doing it without without partners as well so um books like yours and stories like yours being shared is you know it's so so important and i'm really courageous um and uh, and also really beautiful. Well, what what we discovered or what I discovered, because we're kind of on this, for each couple who's going through it, you're on the path individually and together. Um, you know, your relationship is going to change um, in various ways. It's just part of part of what happens during transition. 
but I started monitoring um, support groups for partners of and families of trans people and started seeing the pain and the confusion and um, the challenges. And that's what made us realize that there needed to be a book to kind of to kind of help them and to try to um, help couples survive the process um, because it can be very challenging. If and I think my conclusion um, as we're as we're working on as I'm working on the book and as we're working through the process ourselves and in in being in that community of people who are doing so is that healthy relationships have a, a high, you know, a, a higher likelihood of remaining together and relationships that have um, fundamental problems, there's a good chance that they're just not going to be able to survive it. Um, so this book is hopefully a tool for strengthening those relationships, um, you know, strengthening relationships to get to where they're healthier overall in order to navigate the challenges that come along with transition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it's always better when we when we hear people's lived experience as well, and um, yeah, stories are so important. True stories that, that, that remind us we're not alone and give some give some shared experience and wisdom from from the journey and can sustain us um, through that journey because it is a difficult journey and it is challenging. So, yeah. Um, I mean, what are the big, what have been the biggest challenges that you faced um, individually and, and, and as a couple kind of over this season? You want to go first? Well, I guess I'll go first. Um, this is Declan. I have, it's, it's a challenge every day. You know, I'm almost 60, so it's, it's a little different than if you were young and you started to transition. I have these preconceived notions of what society tells me a man should be. And I'm trying to enter in and discover what kind of man I am and present that to the world. And it's hard to block what society has told me and not to go down those paths. And going down those paths for me, I think at my age and my life experience would be nearly impossible because I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that kind of man. I'm my own kind of man. You know, I, I joke a lot on, on social media and I say, I'm not the man your mother warned you about because <laughs> there are a lot of things that we're seeing about the, the men in culture that are, are negative and they're, they're put out there. Not all men are like that. And, and I don't want to enter into any of that patriarchy stuff like I'm in charge or I have toxic to wear masculinity. toxic masculinity or I have to wear a certain kind of clothes or have a certain type of haircut. I, I want to be me. I'm a man, but I want to be me. And that's a challenge in today's society and in my mind. But as, as a, a daily thing, I think it's, I get very emotional. You know, it's, it's like, I feel like I kind of like I'm going through another puberty. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I am. So I get emotional. And I think that that's, um, that can't be easy for anyone. Suzanne is, is, is really good at handling that kind of stuff. But the hardest part for me is not wanting to be at the end, but I don't even know what that goal is. So <laughs> every day I want to be fully me, but I don't even know what that means yet. So every day I think is a challenge to just be in that day and be who you are the best you can be that day. And I think that 
causes some emotional stuff. And I think Suzanne deals with it really well. Mm. Yeah, for me, the, the biggest difficulty has been your pain. Mm. Um, you know, the pain of because you care so much about other people and you're a caretaker and a problem solver. Mm. Um, your concern about the impressions of other people and will family members be heard or how will it impact um, the kids or a parent or, you know, just the uh, watching your pain as, as you've had to kind of come to grips with that has been probably the hardest part. And um, both of us tend to be pretty decisive and uh, problem solving types. And for this particular situation, uh, what I've learned, well, one is that there are certain things that are sort of universal about um, the trans experience. And at the same time, it's intensely unique and personal. There is no one, you know, trans masculine experience. There's no one trans feminine experience. Everybody's situations are slightly mm -hmm. different. Their realities are different. Their, you know, their upbringing is different. Everything is different. Um, so for you also, one of the challenges has been the fear about fear of society, right? Mm. And are you, you mm. are such a protector of me and that you've had a lot of concerns about whether or not I would be safe as your spouse. Mm -hmm. um, so that has been painful for me that those kinds of fears impact your ability to be completely yourself well just restrooms just restrooms where do i go to the restroom anymore you know <laughs> i don't want to go in the woman's restroom and i'm not safe in the men's restroom so often we look and find family restrooms that we can go into yeah. i mean you have to plan things out more because of the way society is right now and at 60 we planned even pl i planned out who i would tell when and, and i'm still coming out there's things i still don't say online because i'm afraid that one of my kids might get emotional and it might affect them. And I see a lot of other transgender people say, well, the hell with everybody else. I want to be me, but I've spent my whole life being an encourager, being a nurturer. So I've tried really hard to be considerate and a protector, and a protector yeah. of, of all of those people. And that makes it tougher for a transgender person at my age, because you have those relationships built that you don't want to crumble that I don't think will crumble. You know, I think my mother's getting it now. I told her first, the kids are getting it. There's one that's dragging their feet and doesn't want to talk about it. The grandkids were fantastic. I, I, I believe the young people will save us. You know, we told them one at a time. I mean, you have to, I think that coming out, you know, I know that people want to just jump out of the closet and I don't blame them. You know, you want to be you, but sometimes thinking about the process of how to do it, is more beneficial to you if that's important to you. It well, it's, to me. I think it's always really yeah, that's true. It's smart. You, you have to, I mean, for safety's sake, for mm. um, your job's sake, for your own mental health, because people um, may not react well. I mean, so that's one thing I talk about in the book, because I see it a lot in the support pages, is planning how you're going to come out. Who do you come out to first? Come out to save people first. Right. And, and see how that goes and practice what what you're doing and see what the response is. And um, you have to be calculated because people can be cruel, either intentionally or unintentionally. And the people that you love can hurt you the deepest. And what I hear over and over again from um, those who have been through the process is that people will surprise you. The people that you think 
um, are going to react badly, sometimes don't. And the people that you expect to be advocates and allies end up not being. Um, so being uh, smart about how you come out um, and thinking it through ahead of time is is pretty darn important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of wisdom there. Um, yeah, and yeah, and it, you know, to someone on the outside, it would seem really simplistic to to come out, you know. But it's but it's a, it's a much bigger, deeper, wider process. And like you said, there's so many things that you have to think about, um, like the restroom stuff that you mentioned, just little things that you have to think about in a different way. Uh, well, you know, we have a trans friend. We have a trans friend who is who was having nightmares about um, being exposed as trans before she is ready and thinking that she'll lose her job, her kids, her, you know, all these aspects of life because um, she wouldn't have been able to line things up ahead of time if, if she were to be outed. Um, so it can be very scary for people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it is, and it's there's still so much stigma and shame in our culture around around it, and um, you know it's really sad that that is the case um, um, because you want to have a world which is more accepting and inclusive, um, and uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, and I and like I said, so much courage to to just. To, to, to come out and to take and to take that step publicly you know it's um, I always have the deepest respect for people who come out um, because it takes a lot of courage well Duckland is extremely brave that's for sure well you know also James you asked what was one of the yeah. hardest things but I'll tell you one of the best things I don't know if you're going to ask this next but mm -hmm. it feels really good to be seen as you you know my beloved sees me as me and every once in a while she'll say something to me and I'll go oh my god you see me because I've been hiding for a really long time inside this body that I was given and for someone to see me as me I mean, that's one of the greatest joys and I hope that other people can find you know if it's not a spouse or or you know, someone you work with, a friend, someone who sees you when you come out, because that gives that really fuels me. It gives me a lot of strength and a lot of courage to enter into blossoming into who I am. Having support mm -hmm. is and yeah, community is, is super. I'm sorry. No, I said I was going to. I was going to actually going to ask about some of the some of the positives that have come out of it. So uh, Declan kind of preempted that very well. <laughs> Well, you know, that's a big thing, but simple things are clothes, shaving. You know, Suzanne bought me for my birthday men's colognes and soaps, and it said men's on it. And you think that's a little thing, but I cried. I was like, oh, my God, you see me. I feel so seen. I feel so um, appreciated for who I am. And, and you know, so little things like that, clothes, my shirts, when I get to wear a shirt that I bought in the men's department. I get to shop in the men's department. Everyone else is looking at me as though I'm odd or I'm buying for a husband. But my beloved is there with me, and she knows we are buying for me, for Declan. And 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 that gives me a lot of joy. What are, what are you, about you? Is there any things that have made you happy about the whole experience? Um, 
that's a good question. Your moments of joy would have to to really be it because to to me it doesn't matter what gender you are. I love you, you know. Hmm. Um, so, and I want you to be happy. So the, those moments that you have, those you know that those bits of euphoria mm-hmm. are the best parts for me for sure, <laughs> for sure. And being able to provide little little examples of that, you know, the, the minor amount that I can. Yeah, I sometimes wonder if pandemic has contributed to this too, because we've, we were extreme isolating for pretty much all of 2020 Mm -hmm. and, um, are going back into it given the present state of, of affairs here in the U S. Um, and kind of having that intense isolation, I think may have helped fuel our introspection. I know it did for me, regarding some faith issues and some other things. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that contributed to Oh, most definitely. I mean, being in the house with you, I was like in a bubble of safety in a place where I could explore and think and ponder and be able to speak who I am. So I think it did give us that. I mean, if there's any benefit to being in quarantine when you're with somebody that you're close to, that you can, you know, ponder those things and, and speak them. I mean, we talk about transgender issues and transitioning nearly every day. Little bits. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when, when so much else is stripped away, um, you know, of our of social lives and sort of some of the things that we have that are sort of extraneous, I mean, they don't feel regarding mental health. I mean, having, having things, having joy moments of, of distraction and, you know, out of your head are, are extremely useful. Um, but if you are so busy in life that you don't have much chance for introspection, hopefully, you know, these times of, of unwilling alone time can, can produce some fruit in people in evaluating who they are, what they want out of life, who they want to be. Well, we've known a lot of people that have transitioned over the last year. I mean, they left work before the pandemic and quarantine, you know, not to use names, but to say maybe as Jim and went back as Julie as their true self. Yeah. As they were working from home and then right. they, went, yeah. they worked from home and then they went back to work as themselves. So we, we do know a lot of people that transitioned during quarantine yeah. or started the transition. We're able to, we're given the freedom. Um, yeah. I, I've been the thinking safety. about, yeah. I've been thinking about the, uh, the emotional and the sort of the intellectual uh, aspect of that, but just the physical aspect, right. Mm-hmm. People able to grow their hair I mean, we all, a lot of us didn't get our hair cut or, you know, um, or, or those shaving in different ways or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Just that physical ability to, to more live out your, um, your true self, your genders. Yeah. Physically. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's so wonderful. Um, that's so good that something could come out of lockdown and pandemic as well. That's a, you know, it's nice to have some kind of redemptive uh, thing come out of out of the last year. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of your your faith journey, your spiritual journey, how is how has this season kind of been impacted by or impacted um, kind of your faith and your faith journey? Re- regarding gender specifically or the pandemic? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this last year, yeah, the kind of, yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was talking about all that introspection and we took a sabbatical in, was it October? Mm-hmm. I think for a month. Um, and uh, we've both been deconstructing. I mean, this whole work that we've been doing for the last nearly a decade um, has been a process of deconstruction. Um, the, the first devotional is where true love is, was sort of deconstructing uh, the idea that that queer people are not approved of and loved by God. Um, and it's kind of just continued down through the years. And it, during this past year, um, I went through kind of a, I don't know if I'd say a faith crisis, sort of a faith crisis, but I, I had a lot of revelations about my concepts of God um, that have been false and that's been tr- uh, transformative of, of my freedom, I think. Um, and answering it, I think we, we published uh, my first deconstruction devotional called Sleeper Awake, which is, is meant to help people in the early phases of deconstruction um, who are kind of worried about, you know, is God going to hate them if they question things, if they question the Bible, if they question what they've been taught by church. Um, so, so it's been, it's, it's kind of facilitated thought about the deconstruction process and questioning. And in particular, I had a real, I've had a real moment of freedom, um, from some, what's it called, honey? Spiritual, um, what's it called? When you have an, like a a spiritual advisor who gives you, um, you know, you talk to, I can't remember what it's called, but, um, we had some sessions. Yes, exactly. So we had some spiritual, we had four spiritual direction sessions and it had gave me a major breakthrough about the ideas that I had about God's approval that I didn't even know were there that, um, that, that I needed to be suffering and self-sacrificing in order to get God's approval. Um, and it was keeping me intensely tethered because there are some changes that we need to make in our lives mm-hmm. um, that I was, we were struggling with. We couldn't make decisions about because we were just like spiritually stuck. I was at least, mm-hmm. I was very much spiritually stuck, which was making me intellectually stuck. And I had this revelation that, that this person helped me kind of come to about um, because of some codependency issues in my past um, that ended up connecting to my idea of, of God's expectations for me, um, as needing to be sort of the martyr hero of every situation. Um, and so it's, it's been very, very interesting in freeing me from the guilt that has been my default for a long time to everything from very small things to large things. And uh, one of the and and understanding that we don't have to wait for a lightning strike message from God about with a set of instructions for what to do, but that because we are you know try to unite ourselves with the divine with love that it's sort of the vine and the branches that, that the God, God is, is part of us and with us and manifested through us. 
and that God will travel along as, as our vine uh, extends and twines around and makes adjustments based on what it encounters, that God is just intrinsically traveling through that um, with us and that, uh, that I don't have to be afraid of making the wrong decisions. I think I was really, really frozen in being afraid I was going to make the wrong decision and upsetting God. Um, so yeah, that's all happened through pandemic and it's been tremendously um, freeing. You know, James, one of the interesting things for me is that when Suzanne started writing the book, Sleep Awake, and started talking a lot about deconstruction, I had kind of a fear that she was going to lose, lose faith or believe in God. And, and because this has been such an important interwoven thing between us and our relationship, yeah, it gave me some faith. fear. But I just started, I started pondering all of it myself during the last year. And, you know, kind of getting mad at God about the pandemic and different things happening and transitioning and being able to say, I'm mad at you because you put me in a girl's body and I'm a guy. Why did you do that? And realizing that instead of me losing my faith and, and God becoming non-existent to me, I was allowed to take God out of the box and God has become more. And to me, God is love. And it's this divine power that none of us can comprehend. It's this big love force that unites us through love. And, you know, one of the things I realized through that is that God entrusted me, Declan, entrusted Declan to be born Diane so that I could be Declan and be more in the world and, and show people that I was more than the body I was born in. So to me, God got bigger and God said, you were made for more. I gave you this responsibility to go out and tell the world and to speak truths and to become yourself. And I trusted you with it. So my faith has grown, I think, and my love for God has grown. And whatever God is, you know, God is just a big, big the love. Mystery, the mystery that God is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's been quite a year. Um, it has. Yes. Faith. <laughs> and that's, that's it, isn't it? It's, it, it? it's who we are, uh, how the divine made us. Um, not, And that's, that's more than our bodies. It's more than... You know the bodies we were born in. It's it's deeper. It's wider. It's bigger. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's kind of the story. Your story is like that. You, you know your identity. The body you were born in is not doesn't define your identity. Um, and um, you know you are you are Declan, whatever body you were born in, um, and. And now you're embracing that, and that's a that's an incredible thing. It really is. It would be, you know, we're. I'm really looking forward to the day where gender and sex are decoupled, and that people can just express gender however they want, regardless of their body parts or their um, DNA. Uh, that that people just get to be who they are, and that there's not so much of this binary. I'm, I'm getting to be increasingly anti-binary. The older I get, the <laughs> the less I'm in a fa fan of black and white. You know, um, and I I I don't think that that's where God tends to be is in the black and whites. God is in this beautiful spectrum of gradation between things, right? Uh, in a rainbow, the the colors we, when we see a, a rainbow flag or a rainbow picture. You see the the lines between the colors um, demarcated, but in an actual rainbow, there is there are no lines. It's just this 
very subtle shifting. And um, that to me is kind of where the divine is, is this, this understanding of love in every variation of things. Um, and that this idea of right and wrong, black and white, male and female, um, straight or gay, whatever, it, it's that, that those things are artificial that we create and, and then aren't where the, the divine truly is. They're limiting. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. I couldn't, couldn't put it better myself. Um, yeah. Um, these kind of things like our bodies and, um, and you know, gender, they're kind of the, the constructs in many ways. And, um, and they aren't, they don't define who, who we are and we can be, you know, you know, we can use them in a, in a useful way if we want to, but, um, but they don't define us, and that's that's the that's the difference. And the divine is bigger than any of those any of those constructs. Um, mm-hmm. And like you say, um, God is love. You know that's the you know, that line again. It just uh, comes back to that so often. Yeah, and and the hope that we are we are love. You know, conformed to the what is it? Conformed to Christ. I don't remember what that scripture is, but you know. The, reshaping ourselves to love constantly and trying to figure out what that even means. Because, um, you know, I used to think that it meant self-sacrifice because no greater love is this than to, you know, to give your life for a friend. But that's, I see love differently now. I see, well, I see that, that journey of trying to be love differently because it, it is also love for self um, and, mm-hmm. and love of life and joy. I think that's another thing that pandemic has taught me is the, the need um, to recognize that people need to, be, to feel happy. They need moments of, of joy and escape and laughter. Um, it's something we've been deprived of for the last, in this country, um, because of politics and things. It's been hard for the last what six years or so pandemic has made it worse um and that 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 journey for figuring out what it means to be you know transformed into love is is not just about self-sacrifice and giving yourself away to the point of pain which i think to a lot of christianity kind of feels um but it's also um loving life loving um yourself loving fun loving what you do you know that mm-hmm. that it's it's much broader um and that god loves loves when we are able to experience those things in addition to when we offer ourselves in love through sacrifice and service mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely wow well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It, it, like I say, it's um, it's inspiring. It's um, courageous, and I'm and I'm sure it will give a lot of hope and, and encouragement to other people on the same journey. Well, that is always our goal, and you know the where to love is effort, the online effort. There's a, a big community on Facebook, 
uh, and Declan is the the power behind that. I, I just write books and Declan um, does all the community building and the love sharing and all that. Um, so that's kind of your modus operandi, isn't it? Yeah, we, we really try to encourage people to share their stories. You know, no matter where you are in life, it's like somebody else has been there. And for you to share, it's like reaching out your arm to put it around somebody else, whether it be depression, whether it be that you're LGBTQIA, you know, what, whatever it is, you're jobless, you're homeless, whatever is going on in your life, you're having family issues, you're happy. When you're sharing your stories, you are offering healing to other people and a community. And, and that's what we try them to do. To share their own. Invite yeah. them to share their own so they speak it, they speak the truth. So if there's someone else out there that's going through what you are, I'm pretty sure of it mm-hmm. from what I've seen. I mean, we have a, a 2 million reach on Where Two Love is on Facebook every week. And the stories we see are painful, but yet healing. And I see one person speak up and say something and seven or eight people say, thank you. I needed something to hear that today. So stories are healing. I mean, we spoke about this at colleges and, and different functions about telling your story. So we thank you for the opportunity to be able to tell ours. And we hope that ours touches somebody in a way that is healing and positive. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Uh, so just tell us where people can connect with you online. So you can find my writing as my author page is website is sdwithall.com and where to love is.com is the website for the where to love is movement and for the books. You can look for where to love is on Facebook or on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Declan's on Twitter. What am I forgetting? Instagram, Pinterest, you know, we're kind usual, of everywhere. The usual suspects. Look for where to love is.com and you'll find us. Yep. Fantastic. Great. I would highly recommend everyone check that out. Um, it's it's amazing. Uh, as you've heard, Susan and Suzanne and Declan are incredible. Um, so uh, thank you uh, for, for coming on and sharing your story. And, uh, and thanks for listening, everybody.